This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Words of Integration and Guidance by Howard Thurman. The desert dweller has lived in the desert so long that all of its moods have long since become a part of the daily rhythm of his life. But it is not that fact that is of crucial importance. For many years it has been his custom to leave a lighted lantern by the roadside at night to cheer the weary traveler. Beside the lantern, there is a note which gives detailed directions as to where his cottage may be found, so that if there is distress or need, the stranger may find help. It's a very simple gesture, full of beauty and wholeness. To him, it is not important how many people pass in the night and go on their way. The important thing is that the lantern burns every night, and every night the note is there, just in case. A reading of scripture from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent out of bronze and put it upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to John 3, 14-21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be seen clearly that their deeds have been done in God. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thank you. 
point of my message today is a simple one. God loves you. God loves you. Not exactly a groundbreaking thing to say in church. I realize that. Something you'll hear in nearly every church, I hope. But often we hear that message and then we find out later that there was some fine print. Right? Or some terms and conditions. You know, kind of like when you download that latest app on your phone or a program on your computer and you got to scroll through a couple of pages and then at the bottom it's like check here to agree and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, 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 you know, uh, give you access to my whole contact list. I authorize you to post on my behalf to Facebook. I'm sharing with you my darkest secrets, whatever, you know, just click. I just need to get this game, you know, I just want to play this thing. Um, so you might be told God loves you, but then later there are conditions to it. God loves you, but you have to keep believing everything exactly as we tell you. God loves you, but you have to show up to church every week and twice on Sunday. God loves you, but you have to serve on three committees before you're really in. God loves you, but don't you dare vote the wrong way or post the wrong thing online or put the wrong sign in your yard. But we might wonder, shouldn't the gospel, if it really is good news, be more beautiful and simple and accepting than that? Well, our text today contains one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, John 3.16. It's maybe one of the earliest verses that you memorize as a kid in Sunday school. It's one that you see on the signs. Uh, in the context, interestingly, in uh, which this verse is set, John 3, this verse which is about believing and about eternal life, also has a lot to do with how we live. If you notice, there was some talk about deeds and about living in the light and living in a way that's good for ourselves and others and also about living in the dark and doing things that might be less beneficial to ourselves and to others. And so it got me thinking about this connection between love and actions, between love and actions, and that got me to thinking about how we experience love from our own parent or parents and how that might influence our behavior even as adults. So I started doing uh, some research on this and I found a nice article on the effects of parental love on children. And in this article, there was a, a lovely photo of a young boy with a kite. And uh, he was holding the kite with one hand and the string in the other. And you can just tell he's like just ready to feel the wind and just let this thing soar, right? let it fly. And then I glanced at the caption underneath the photo. And the caption said this, we all have dreams as children, but they are often crushed by our parents. <laughs> Yikes. Brutal. And while we laugh a little, there might be something to that. 
The next photo in the article was of a young girl sitting in some, uh, some tall grass, and she's wearing a pink dress, and she's got a little crown or tiara on her head, and she's holding a, an umbrella with all these beautiful pastel colors on it, and the sun is kind of coming through the umbrella. Just this wonderful picture of, of childlike beauty and, and innocence. Well, the caption on this one read, and now you're prepared. <laughs> As our dreams fade away, so does the expression of our true self. As our dreams fade away, so does our expression of our true self. And as someone who is a parent, I almost wish I hadn't started reading this article. <laughs> so much pressure, right? So much power to influence. But the heart of the article was about the kind of love we experienced or maybe did not experience uh, as children and how this forms us. And I think it uh, relates in important ways to what our text in the Gospel of John is trying to tell us. And the research I was reading focused on two types of love. Conditional love and unconditional love. Conditional love is love that, and this will surprise you, has conditions. <laughs> In other words, love that's connected to how we behave, right? If we do a certain thing, then love is bestowed. And this almost happens inevitably, right, for parents, often unconsciously. If you pick up your toys, oh, thank you, you know, I'm going to give you a hug. That was wonderful. If you say please and thank you, so lovely. I'm going to, you know, express my love to you. If you share your toys with your sister, if you eat your vegetables, and this continues, right, as kids grow older, if you clean your room, if you go to bed on time, if you wash the dishes, if you bring the car back in one piece, if you get good grades, if you get a good job, if you become a respectable citizen, whatever that means, right? And the list goes on and on and on. Now, all parents do this, right, to some degree or another. Every parent. And it's not wrong at all, of course, to want our kids to do things that we believe are good things for them to do. And it's natural to celebrate or applaud or cheer or show affection when they do those things. 100% normal. Probably unavoidable and certainly better than celebrating when they get in a fight or tear up the house or forget to flush the toilet. <laughs> But if the only type of love you ever experienced as a child was connected to conditions, that does have an effect on you. You start to believe that you're only acceptable if certain conditions are met. You might even start to wonder, do I even matter at all? Or is it just me performing a certain way? And if this is the main or only way you experience love as a child, psychologists note that this can lead to growing into adult with a lower sense of self-worth, feelings of inadequacy, limiting beliefs, and insecurity. Because the underlying message that conditional love sends is this. Being simply who you are it's not enough. It's not enough. And many of us have been given that same message when it comes to God. 
Or at least we perhaps project unto God what we've experienced from our own parents. If you act in certain holy ways, God loves you. If you refrain from certain behaviors, God loves you. If you perform the right things, if you do the right religious duties, God loves you. Or even if you believe the right things, God loves you. You can imagine the effect this might have on your spiritual life, right? You're always kind of looking over your shoulder, wondering, is God pleased with me now? What about now? What about now? And it's always this wondering, am I measuring up or am I somehow screwing up again? Maybe I haven't done enough, haven't prayed enough, haven't served enough. And you know what happens when you're constantly told you're not enough? You start to withdraw. Start opting out. You move into the shadows. You hide away. And maybe you start acting out in ways that aren't healthy, and you probably know it. But you're not worth much anyway, so who really is going to care? That's a very difficult place to be. And some of us have been there, or maybe are there now. And because perhaps it's been a lifetime of being told we don't measure up, it doesn't go away easily. But I believe our text today, including John 3.16, is telling us loud and clear that we are enough, that you are enough. It says, for God so loved the world. Now, if this were conditional, we might expect God so loved the world if we do the right things. God so loved the world if we believe the right things, if we whatever, fill in the blank. But rather, it notes that God has expressed this love freely. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, or as verse 14 refers to Jesus, the Son of Man, or the human one, or the fully human one. God gave us a gift of someone who was fully human, yet also fully connected to God. A model of someone who knew implicitly God's love and who would live out that love in a way that we had never seen before. Jesus shows us what it looks like when humanity is fully alive and fully shining. God loves you, period. Full stop. No conditions. Just breathe that in for a moment. Breathe that in. And maybe you still have resistance to it, and if so, pay attention to that. Maybe you've been told different. Maybe you've assumed different. But just let it sink in that God loves you. Exactly as you are. God loves you as you. No clauses, no asterisks, no provisions. Now, unfortunately, this text has been used often to express a conditional love. Right? 
God loves the world, yes, but only if they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and really, 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 really believe it. And of course, toe the line. God loves the world, well, except for those who are condemned. And it turns out that's most of humanity. So, you know, it begins to feel a little hollow at that point. And partly it's used that way because we maybe assume God is like our parents. We've all experienced conditional love. Even if we had the best parents who ever existed, we've experienced conditional love. And we maybe think God must be like that. And maybe also because words like condemned and perish and darkness are in the text. Maybe that doesn't help. (laughs) Right? We wonder about that. It's in there. But we often assume, right, that God is the one doing the condemning. We assume that God is causing the perishing and that God is banishing people into the darkness. But if we read carefully, I think we'll realize that it's humanity that does those things to ourselves. When we don't open up to God's love, we condemn ourselves to continuing behavior that's based on self-loathing. We choose to retreat to the darkness. And because we feel ashamed... In essence, we perish. And I think this text has everything to do with right now. And much less to do with later, even though words like saved and eternal life are also in this text. God loved the world, and because of that, we can have, as Dallas Willard put it, the eternal kind of life now. We can live a life with God now, a divinely infused life. The life of the ages. Verse 19 says, Light has come into the world, and those who do what is true come to the light. Because when you know that you're loved unconditionally, that's actually when you start to come into yourself. Isn't it? That's when you start to change for the better. You have more inner self-worth, more self-confidence. You know that you matter and you live like it. You begin to shine. And that's what our gospel text is telling us today. God wants you to shine. Come into the light. I love you. No matter what stories you've been told, no matter what narratives you've internalized, what hurt you've suffered, come out from the shadow, step out from the darkness. The light is shining, and what it reveals is that you are beautiful and worthy of love. God sent the fully human one into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. And it turns out that salvation, being saved, is something that can happen right now. It needs to happen right now. And it's not just a personal, private thing. It is a communal thing. Every time I choose an action that's good for me and good for those I'm in relationship with, I am saved. And we are saved. Every time I choose to love rather than condemn, I am saved and we are saved. Every time I take a deep breath, instead of lashing out in anger, I am saved and we are saved. Every time you make space for someone who is hurting, I am saved and we are saved. 
Every time you write a letter to your elected officials telling them that it's high time we start valuing our children over our weapons, you are saved and we are saved. When the New York Police Department gets 1,526 requests from ICE to detain immigrants and they refuse them all, which happened, by the way, in 2017. That is amazing. And when that happens, we are saved. Every time we remember that God loves us. No conditions. We are saved. And when we know we're loved, we can choose to walk in the light. And every time we walk in the light, the world gets that much brighter. For far too long, I think the church has been focused on trying to save us from God and from God's wrath and save us later after this life. And all the while, God has been trying to save us from ourselves right now. And this isn't easy, simple stuff. Brene Brown says owning our story can be hard. Owning our story can be hard. We've all been through stuff. She says, but that's not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from ourselves, running from our story. Embracing our vulnerabilities, she says, is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. Only when we're brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the power of our own light. And the great anthropologist Sirius Black from Harry Potter fame put it this way. I should bring in Harry Potter earlier. My kids suddenly uh, were... But Sirius Black said, we all have light and dark within us. We've got both. And how did Lent begin? It began with this reminder from Psalm 103. God knows how we are made. God remembers that we are dust. God knows that we're flawed, that we're fragile, that we come from the ground. Sometimes we're full of you-know-what. Right? God knows that. And yet God loves each of us, all of us, the whole package. And when we know we're loved, we can move beyond shame. How much of our lives is just based on trying to keep up appearances, trying to prove that we're enough? Here I am, see me, world. Can you accept me finally now? Did I accomplish enough? Is my resume long enough? Was my behavior appropriate enough? Am I special enough? I mean, think of it. How often we just carry that weight to feel like we need to measure up. When we know that we can let it go, and God just embraces us as we are, it's incredible. And so the message from God to you and to me is this. I love you. I love you. Step into the light. Because you're beautiful, and I love to see you shine. 
Amen. No mistake. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.